Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. So we're going to hear God's Word this morning from John chapter 14, uh, verses 1 to 14. And this is continuing in what is uh, in, in a big section of John, really about a third close to a third of the whole book, quarter, quarter to a third of the whole book, um, which is on, focused on the last night of Jesus' life and all the things he talked about with his disciples on that last night. And this is the night that began with Jesus washing their feet as an act of service and as a demonstration of what kind of king he really is, the king who washes the feet of others and calls his followers to do the same sorts of things. But then he went on from that, to tell them that, the, uh, that they could not do these things on their own, that they could not love the way they were supposed to. Judas was out going out to betray him. Peter said he would follow him, but Jesus said, you're not going to be able to. That we, so we talked last week about how the only way we can find the strength to love and to serve the way that Jesus wants us to is by, is by, taking, by participating in his sacrifice for us and taking that into himself. So the last thing that Jesus said before we're, what we're going to read uh, right now is he's just said that Peter will deny him. And so he's going to start this off with don't let your hearts be troubled. That's because we're in tr- there's trouble right now. Judas has gone out to betray him. He's just told Peter he's going to deny him. This is a time of trouble. So if you feel any sense in your heart, any bit of trouble this morning, these are words for you. Today, is a, is a, the, these are words of Jesus for our hope, for our confidence, for our encouragement. So this morning, if you feel troubled, if you feel uncertain, if you feel anxious, hear the words of Jesus, for they are good for you. And I'm going to read now from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and still you do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us, that you care for us. 
We thank you that Jesus spoke these powerful words so long ago. We thank you that John wrote them down for us. We thank you that you preserved them by your Spirit. And Father, by that same Spirit, would you sink these words deep into our hearts this morning, that they may not be not merely information for our heads, but transformation for our lives, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, and the way that we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I promised, I promised hyperloops. How many of you know what a hyperloop is? Any of you heard of a hyperloop? Have you heard of the Elon Musk hyperloop? Yes, yeah, so a hyperloop is a, it's actually, I learned it's based on a concept that was developed in 1799, which is crazy, but it recently has become popular by Elon Musk. And here's what a hyperloop is. It's, it's entirely theoretical. Nobody's actually, well, they've actually started to build some prototypes. But imagine a tunnel running from Los Angeles to San Francisco. And this tunnel is basically like a vacuum. So they take out the air resistance from the tunnel. You know, like you can make a, a vacuum in science, like you pump out the air, and so there's less air resistance. And then you put these small individual pods in the tunnel, and you shoot them with magnets. And with no air resistance, they can go really, really fast from Los Angeles to San Francisco. And then they can come back, and it's a hyperloop. So it's this like extraordinarily efficient, extraordinarily safe, extraordinarily environmentally sensitive transportation method to improve on all of our methods of mass transits. Now, like many of Elon Musk's ideas, other people are skeptical, but you never know. Um, so, but it's kind of a cool idea, right? That we could just be shot in pods through this tunnel. Now, some of you, most of you are giving me some quizzical looks, and the idea of like shot tunnel, you're kind of scared. I think of this as a really safe thing. Because th you think about it as like car, you, there's nowhere to go, right? You're in a tunnel in a pod. You are getting absolutely certain from one place to another. I mean, imagine you're out there at the airport, right? And you've got the planes everywhere. Planes going like every which way, dangerous, right? You never know where you're going to go. They got to cross, they got to keep track of everything. You put a pod in the tunnel, it's going. Los Angeles, San Francisco, just like that, secure. And you say, Jimmy, why? Why are we talking about hyperloops? When I, when I read these words of Jesus and John, what Jesus is trying to communicate is that there is an unbreakable connection. Just like that hyperloop would take you right from Los Angeles to San Francisco with nowhere else to go, no way to get stopped, nothing to hold you up, no resistance. Jesus is telling his disciples here, he says, look, you are scared and afraid, but the path is completely sure because Jesus has an unbreakable connection with the Father. It cannot be separated. And Jesus is telling them, and I have made an unbreakable connection with you. So yes, you, are, you may be afraid that I'm going to be betrayed, that you're gonna disappear, you're gonna run away, that I'm gonna be away from you for a bit, but where am I going? I'm going to the other end of the hyperloop and I'm bringing you there with me and nothing can stop that. So the, this morning, if you come in seeing our problems, our problems is that we're betrayers like Judas or we're failures like Peter, or there's enemies out there like the Romans or the priests, the Jewish leaders at the time. There's all kinds of problems in this world, all kinds of things that are causing us anxiety and fear, both inside and out. And Jesus is saying, do not be afraid. Let not your hearts be troubled because I, Jesus and the Father are inseparably 
connected. And Jesus has made an inseparable connection to us. And so he is taking us to the end. And we do not have to fear. So what do we do with that? What do we do? What is Jesus telling us to do here? Well, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe in me. Verse 12, whoever believes in me. Verse 11, believe me. What is he saying? He's saying, believe me. He's telling us that we need to rest in his love. We need to believe that this is true. Believe that Jesus has formed an unbreakable connection between us and our eternal rest with the Father. And that nothing can stop that. Nothing can cut in on that relationship. Nothing can prevent that from happening. Why? Because it's Jesus. Because it's God. If you believe in God, and, and what he's saying here is believe in God. Like, you all believe in God. Everybody believes in God. What is the most common, most fundamental belief across all of space and time of human history? It's belief in God. Not literally every single human, but pretty close. Through all histories and cultures, everybody has realized that there is something greater. They may define it differently. They may not understand exactly what it is. They may disagree about the particulars. But Jesus is saying, look, we know that there's a God out there. I am here. You believe in God the Father, you should also believe in me. And that we have an unbreakable connection. We're taking you not just from L.A. to San Francisco, but from the present reality to eternal life. And all along the way, that eternal life has already begun. It is set, sealed, and delivered. What do we have to do? We believe, we trust that this is really happening. Thankfully, Jesus is not just, he doesn't just say that just like I did. Like, cool, you're done? I mean, some of you might be glad if I just said, all right, great. Jesus and the Father are done. Now we can be done. But Jesus goes on. Because we know it's not enough to just say, yeah, God, Jesus, believe it. It's going to be fine. We need some encouragement. And shockingly, Jesus offers three encouragements here. And shockingly, they all start with P. It's remarkable how he does this. Three encouragements that Jesus gives us to, to know that him and the Father are inseparable and have formed an unbreakable connection. The first is that the place is prepared for us. The second is that the path is a person. And the third is that the promise is powerful. See, he outdid himself this time. Not just three Ps. It's really six Ps. Three sets of two Ps each. You know, you can't, you can't go wrong here. So first, the place is prepared. This is what we see in verses 1 to 5. The first thing that Jesus says to encourage us to not be afraid, encourage us in the midst of our fear and anxiety, he says, look, I have prepared a place for you. In my Father's house, verse 2, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Look, he actually did use the peas. It wasn't just me. He said, prepare a place. So that I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. See, see the security? I wouldn't have told you so if it was not so, and if I go, I'm taking you too. The place is prepared. The place is set. We can be confident in the goodness of the destination, in the goodness of where we are going. Jesus has gone. 
he's gone, he's gone to the other end of the hyperloop to set, up, to set up the end station of where we're going. We know where we're coming. He's got it all planned out. Kids, you want to know the first thing in my mystery bag? First thing in my mystery bag looks like a roll of paper. But do you know what this roll of paper is? Anybody know what these are? These are blueprints. These are blueprints. These are drawings. So these are actually drawings for my house. These are drawings for a massive renovation project on my house that was done before we moved in, thankfully. But, uh, but I, I love these blueprints because we can see exactly how things are supposed to be done. And once you've got the blueprints, the, you just go and build it, right? This is what the builders take. Now, is there still work to do after the blueprints have been drawn? Right? After the, the, so, so Mr. Josh, Mr. Josh is on Zoom. He's not, he's not in here right now, but he can tell you he's an architect. And uh, he'll tell you that just drawing this doesn't make the house go up. But it does set it in motion. The builders just follow the blueprints. They say that the place is prepared. We're getting it ready. So all as we go through this world, we are working out the blueprint that Jesus has drawn for us. And we can be confident if we look around just like you look around your house and you say, man, I wish this house was different. Kids, maybe you don't say that, but I bet your parents do. I wish, yep, yep. I wish we could change this. I wish we could change that. But it's too much effort. Or I don't own the house. Or I don't have the money. Or whatever it may be. But if we, if we have blueprints, we say, this is what it's going to be one day. One day this is going to be different. And that helps us persevere through the hard times. It helps us bear, bear up when things are difficult, when they're not going like we should, to know that things are going to be different one day. And that somebody, in the bigger terms, somebody has a plan for this. So what do we need to do with this? What does it mean for us to know that Jesus has prepared a place, that he's drawn up the blueprints, that he's building the house, our eternal home, our eternal destination? What it means for us is that we can have confidence that things are going to get better. And most importantly, what that allows us to do is it allows us to reject the lies of the world. Because all around us, the world is telling us that you need to do something to make yourself happy right now. You need the newest thing, the better thing, the bigger thing, more money, more time, more friends, more this, more that, more trips. This is going to make you happy. You deserve it. All these things, these are the messages we hear day in, day out. And they can really suck us off course. They can suck us away from doing the good things that God has called us to and towards things that ultimately are just about ourselves or about making money for other people, because that's really what most of the world is about, is parting us from our money for their benefit. Not to be cynical or anything. But, um, but, but if we know that Jesus has drawn up better blueprints for us, then we can look at those messages that say, you need to do something better. You need to do something to take care of yourself. You deserve it. Just more and more and more. And we can say, you know what? I think Jesus' plan is better. I'm going to be working on his blueprints because I know that's where my ultimate satisfaction is coming. My ultimate happiness, my ultimate life is with him. And everything good in this world, even the really good things, are just a foretaste of the better that is to come. And then once we put those things in perspective, we reject the lies, we keep our eyes on the place that's been prepared, we can enjoy the things of this world. 
as foretastes of our heavenly and ultimate home. So the place is prepared for us. But even better news than that comes in verses 6 to 11. Because Thomas responds when Jesus says, you know the way where I'm going. And Thomas is like, mm, mm, no, we don't. No, we don't. And this is a brilliant response from Jesus. So pay attention. Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know? So Jesus said, you know the way. Thomas said, how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way. Did you catch that? He said, you know the way, not because you know the steps to take, but because you know me. I am the way. Because what Jesus is saying is that the path is a person. The path to this heavenly home, the path to these blueprints, the path to the kingdom of God on earth in all of its glory, that path is a person rather than a set of steps. So I got something else in my bag here. Got something else in my bag here. Kids, you have no idea what this is. This is really very, this really very specifically dates me in exactly my age. Anybody know what this is? This is a set of MapQuest directions. And so all of you who are like me between about 35 and 42 um, are very familiar with coming of age in the time of MapQuest, where we had put aside our paper books. And yeah, Philip's looking at me. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> put aside, we put aside the books of maps and the atlases. We had internet. And we could go. We say, I'm going, in this case, I'm going to my parents' house in Northern Virginia. And I get on MapQuest and I print out the directions. But it's a little bit tough, right? It's just a set of directions, and you got to keep up with them. And if you get off of these directions, you're out of luck, and we've given up our maps. But if you miss a turn, like, where do I go now? Right? It is hard to follow a set of directions. But kids, your parents aren't printing off directions anymore. What do they do now? What do your parents do when you need to get somewhere? Google, and what does Google Maps do for you? GB, what does it do? What, is, what does it do when you're in the car? It talks to you, right? Everywhere you go now, instead of the book of maps, instead of the directions, you have a phone, right? And the phone just sits there and talks to you. Now, I don't want to say that your phone is a person, but, but it sounds like a person, right? You've got a, it's a computer, that's right. But it's a person's, it sounds like a person's voice telling you where to go, telling you turn right now. If you go the wrong way, says, hmm, let me try that again. Why don't you turn around? Why don't you take a different route? You have a person with you telling you where to go. It's really an amazing thing. But in life, as we try to make our way to the end goal, to the end of our secure path, the path is a person. It's the person of Jesus. And Jesus did not simply give us a set of principles. Yes, he gives us the law. The law was given by God in the Old Testament. The law is still true and right and good. But then Jesus came and said, I am here. You want to understand the law? You want to understand where to go? Look at me. Look at my life. Follow me. That's the call to be a Christian. What does it mean to be a Christian? To follow Jesus. Not to believe all the right things, not to do all the right things, not to know all the right things, but to follow Jesus where he leads. Now, can we be sure about where he's going to lead? Yeah, because he wrote down the blueprints. They're in the book. So we know when we're listening to Jesus' voice. But ultimately, it's a person. 
He came to live it, to demonstrate it. And then he says that he's going to remain with us. He's coming back. He's coming back to get us. That where I am, you may also be. And he's going to go on, we'll see it next week, how he's going to do that through the work of the Holy Spirit. But we'll save that for next week because that's, that's next week's topic. But for now, that the path is a person. So what do we need to do if we want to embrace resting in his love, believing that Jesus has made this unbreakable connection? We need to fall in love with Jesus. We need to spend time with him. We need to read the stories in the Gospels and be reminded of who he really is. Not who we've made up in our minds, not who other people may have told you he is, but who he really is. If you've never spent much time reading the Bible, I would encourage you to pick one up. Look for the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest book, it's the shortest gospel, the shortest account of Jesus' life. It goes fast. You could sit down and read it in not very long, and you can see a beautiful picture of Jesus. You can go back through and read John that we've been going through on Sunday mornings and see all the things that Jesus has said. You can read of Jesus in the Word. You can get to know him. You can spend time with him in prayer, pouring out your heart to him, listening for him to comfort you with his words, listening to him to guide your steps. Fall in love with Jesus because the path is a person. So the place is prepared, the path is a person, and the promise is powerful. This is what Jesus says at the end. This is amazing. Verses 12 to 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Okay, remember Jesus did a lot of miracles. And greater works then these will he do. Just, just pause and think about that for a moment. Because this is one of those Bible, Bible things that sometimes we just read like, yeah, Jesus, you do what I do, yeah, yeah. But we, Jesus just said that the one who believes in him will do the same things that Jesus did and greater things. Like, how is that possible? How could somebody do greater works than Jesus? But what do we see in the biblical story? What we see is that after Jesus went up to heaven, the Holy Spirit came on his disciples, and through the book of Acts, they did all the same things as Jesus. They did all the same things. They preached the gospel. Lots of people believed in Jesus. They healed people. People came back from the dead. All these kinds of things happened. All the same things that Jesus was doing continued to happen in the book of Acts. Why? because he was still doing them, because he was still doing them by the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, how can that be greater than what Jesus did? Because what Jesus did in one place by his people, by the church, has now been expanded all over the world. And so the works of Jesus are taken by us everywhere. It's an amazing thing. It's a promise of power that we get to participate in the life of Jesus himself. This is the unbreakable connection that he has formed. He has formed this, he has said that he and the Father, he is in the Father and the Father is in him. And then he goes on, he doesn't say this explicitly here, he just says here about doing the works, but he'll go on in other places in this upper room discourse to say that he is in us and we are in him. And so the same unbreakable connection that Jesus has with the Father through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, and through the work of the Holy Spirit, he has brought us into that same 
connection. And we are unbreakably connected into the heart of Jesus and the Father. And with that, the promise is powerful that through us, through his people, he will do the works. People will find healing. People will find salvation. People will sacrifice and serve. People will be loved and cared for. People will be transformed and changed. What, what do we call the church? God's people gathered together. We call the church the body of Christ. That means something. It's not just a figure of speech. It's something very real and tangible that we together are Jesus on earth. That is how he has set it up. Does that make sense? Not in the slightest. But does it make sense that Jesus and the Father are one? That doesn't make sense either. So if it doesn't make sense that Jesus and the Father are one, we can accept the not making sense that we are Jesus' body and that we get to be brought into that same connection and do that same work. The promise is powerful. He's given us this promise that we can know that we will do the same works as him, that we can carry these things out. So when you feel discouraged, when you feel afraid, when you feel uncertain, when you feel anxious, when you feel overwhelmed, whether it's by the events of the world around you, whether it's by things in your own life, frustrations in relationships, sickness, hardship, financial troubles, whatever it may be, know that Jesus has made his promise to you. And he has formed an unbreakable connection that is far stronger than any Elon Musk hyperloop could be. But it will take us guaranteed with no break from our life now to our life forever. If we put our faith in Jesus and enter into his family through his death and resurrection, and along the way, it's a glorious ride. Can you imagine what it's like to ride on air? To ride on, to have no friction as you're riding through the speeding tube? I know some of you don't like the idea, but it would be cool, right? It would be really smooth. Life doesn't always feel that way. And Jesus knows that and he gets that. But we can, we can be confident that that is the way it is going. Why? Because Jesus has made the promise. He made the promise with his life. He made the promise with his blood. It's a promise that cannot be broken. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you gave this word for us. We pray that you would help us to embrace it more and more each day, that we may know and love Jesus even more. Would you be present among us each day this week? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.